Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another broadcast of The Urban Shaman Speaks. I am the Urban Shaman, Alex Rutland, coming to you from whatever time, whatever space you're in right now, wherever you might be, because time is an illusion. Welcome back. We're going to pick up right where we left off today with where Sarah and Dr. Neruda had just taken about a 10-minute break in their interview in Wingmaker's Neruda Files, Interview 1. So starting now, Sarah's asking, During the break, I asked you about the network of secret organizations you mentioned that the ACIO is part of. Can you elaborate on this network and what the agenda is? There are many organizations that have noble exteriors and secret interiors. In other words, they may have external agendas that they promote to their employees, members, and the media. But there's also a secret and well-hidden agenda that only the inner core of the organization is aware of. The outer rings of protective membership, as they're sometimes referred to, are simply window dressing to cover up the real agenda of the organization. The IMF, Foreign Relations Committee, NSA, KGB, CIA, World Bank, and the Federal Reserve are all examples of these organizational structures. Their inner core is knitted together to form an elitist, secret society with its own culture, economy, and communication system. These are the powerful and wealthy who have joined forces in order to manipulate world political, economic, and social systems to facilitate their personal agenda. The agenda, as I know it, is primarily concerned with control of the world economy and its vital resources, oil, gold, gas reserves, platinum, diamonds, etc. The secret network has utilized technology from the ACIO for the purpose of securing control of the world economy. They're well into the process of designing an integrated world economy based on a digital equivalent of paper currency. This infrastructure is in place, but it's taking more time than expected to implement because of the resistance of competitive forces who don't understand the exact nature of the secret network, but intuitively, since it's existence. These competitive forces are generally businesses and politicians who are affiliated with a transition to a global digital economy, but want to have some control of the infrastructure development. And because of their size and position in the marketplace can exert significant influence on this secret network. The only organization that I'm aware of that is entirely independent as to its agenda and therefore the most powerful or alpha organization is a labyrinth group. And they are in the, this position because of their pure state technologies and the intellect of its members. All other organizations, whether part of the secret network of organizations or powerful multinational corporations, are not in control of the execution of their agenda. They are essentially locked in a competitive battle. But if this is all true, then is 15 essentially running the secret network? No. He's not interested in the agenda of the secret network. He's bored by it. He has no interest in power or money. He's only attracted to the mission of building BST to thwart hostile alien attacks that have been prophesied for 12,000 years. He believes that the only mission worth deploying this labyrinth group's considerable intellectual power is the development of the ultimate defensive weapon, or freedom key. He's convinced that only the labyrinth group has a chance to do this before it's too late. You have to remember that the Labyrinth Group consists of 118 humans and approximately 200 cordium. 
The intellectual ability of this group, aligned behind the focus mission of developing BST before the alien takeover, is truly a remarkable undertaking that makes the Manhattan Project look like a kindergarten social party in comparison. And perhaps I'm exaggerating a bit for effect, but I'm pointing out that 15 is leading an agenda that is far more critical than anything that's been undertaken in the history of humankind. So if 15 is running his own agenda, and it's just as you say it is, why would you defect from such an organization? The ACIO has a memory implant technology that can effectively eliminate select memories with surgical precision. For example, this technology could eliminate your recall of this interview without disrupting any other memories before or after. You would simply sense some missing time perhaps, but nothing more would be recalled, if that. My intuition cautioned me that I was a candidate to have this procedure because of the behaviors I was exhibiting in reference to the wingmakers. In other words, I was believed to be a sympathizer of their culture, philosophy, and mission. What I knew of it. That made me a potential risk to the project. The Labyrinth Group, in a very real sense, feared its own membership because of their enormous intellects and ability to be cunning and clever. This imprinted in a constant state of paranoia which meant that technology was developed to help ensure compliance to the Agenda of 15. Most of these technologies were invasive, and the members of the Labyrinth Group willingly submitted to the invasion in order to more effectively cope with the paranoia. Several months ago, I began to systematically shut down these invasive technologies, in part to see what the reaction of 15 would be, and partly because I was tired of the paranoia. As I was doing this, it became obvious to me that the suspicions were escalating. It was simply a matter of time before they would ask me to subject myself to an MRP. MRP? Yes, MRP stands for Memory Restructure Procedure. What I had learned from the Wingmaker's time capsule is not something I want to forget. I don't want to give this information up. It has become a central part of what I believe and how I want to live my life. Couldn't you have simply defected and not sought out a journalist who will want to get this story out? I mean, couldn't you have simply gone to an island and lived out your life and never disclosed the existence of the Labyrinth Group and the Wingmakers? You don't understand. The Labyrinth Group is untouchable. They have no fears about what I divulge to the media. Their only concern is the terrible precedence of defection. I'm the first. No one has ever left before. And their fear is that if I defect and get away successfully, others will too. And once that happens, the mission is compromised and BST may never happen. Fifteen and his directors take their mission very seriously. They are fanatics of the First Order, which is both good and bad. Good in the sense that they're focused and working hard to develop BST. Bad in the sense that, that fanaticism breeds paranoia. My reasons for seeking out a journalist like you and sharing this knowledge is that I don't want the Wingmaker's time capsule to be locked away from humanity. I think its contents should be shared. I think that was their purpose. This will seem like a strange question, but why would the Wingmakers hide their time capsule and then encode its contents in such an extraordinarily complex way if they wanted this to be shared with humanity? If the average citizen had found this time capsule, or even a government laboratory, what's the chance they would have been able to decipher it and access the optical disk? It's not such a strange question, actually. We asked it ourselves. It seemed clear to the Labyrinth Group that it had been chosen as the organization to unlock the optical disk. 
To answer your question directly, had the time capsule been discovered by another organization, chances are excellent that its optical disk would never be accessed. Somehow this coincidence that the time capsule ended up in the hands of the Labyrinth Group seemed to be an orchestrated process, and even 15 agreed with that assessment. So, 15 felt that the Wingmakers had selected the Labyrinth Group to decode the fate of the time capsule's contents. Yes. Then wouldn't it be reasonable to assume that 15 wanted to learn more about the contents of the time capsule before he released it to the public through the NSA or some other government agency? No. It's doubtful that 15 would ever release any information about the Ancient Arrow Project to anyone outside of the ACIO. He's not one to share information that he feels is proprietary to the Labyrinth Group, particularly if it has anything to do with BST. So now that you've made these statements, isn't it going to affect the ACIO? Isn't someone going to ask questions and start poking around looking for answers? Perhaps. But I know too much about their security systems, and there's no way that a political inquiry will find them. And there's no way the secret network of organizations I mentioned earlier could exert any influence over them. They're completely indebted to the ACIO for technologies that permit them to manipulate economic markets. They, the ACIO and Labyrinth Group, are, as I said before, untouchable. Their only concern will be defection, the loss of intellectual cap capital. What effect will your defection have on the ACIO or the Labyrinth Group? Very little. Most of my contributions with respect to the time capsule have been completed. There are some other projects having to do with encryption technologies that I developed, and these will be more significant in their impact. Back to the Wingmakers for a moment. If they're so advanced technologically, why time capsules? Why not just appear one day and announce whatever it is they want to share? Why this game of hide-and-seek and constant time capsules? Their motives are not clear. I think they left behind the, these time capsules as their way to bring culture and technology from their time to ours. We also believe that these sites represent a defensive weapon, a very sophisticated defensive weapon. As for why, don't they just show up and give us the information? This, I think, is their genius. They've created seven time capsules and placed them in various parts of the world. I believe this is all part of a master plan or strategy to engage our intellects and spirits in a way that has never been done before. To demonstrate how art, culture, science, spirituality, how all of these things are connected. I believe they want us to discover this, not to be told. If they simply arrived here in your living room and announced they were the wingmakers from the centermost sector of the gap universe, I suspect you'd be more amazed about their personalities and physical characteristics and what life is like in their world. That's assuming you even believe them. The aspects of what they wanted to impart, culture, art, technology, philosophy, spirituality, these items could get lost in the phenomenon of their presence. Also, in the text that we had translated, it was apparent that the Wingmakers had time-traveled on many occasions. They interacted with people from many different times and called themselves culture-bearers. They were probably mistaken as angels or even gods. For all we know, their reference in religious texts may indeed be frequent. Do you think they intended these time capsules to be shared with the whole of humanity? You mean the Wingmakers? Yes. I don't know with absolute certainty, but I think they should be shared. I don't have anything to personally gain from getting this information out to the public. It goes against everything I've been trained for and places me at risk and at the very least disrupts my lifestyle irreparably. 
To me, the ancient arrow time capsule is the single greatest discovery in the history of humankind. Discoveries of this magnitude should be in pu the public domain. They shouldn't be selfishly secured and retained by the ACIO or any other organization. Then why are these discoveries and the whole situation with ETs kept from the public? The people who have access to this information like the sense of being unique and privileged. That's the psychology of secret organizations and why they flourish. Pri privileged information is the ambrosia of an elitist. It gives them a sense of power, and the human ego loves to feed from the trough of power. They would never confess to this, but the trauma and drama of the ET contact or the mysterious or paranormal phenomenon is extremely compelling and of vital interest to anyone who is of curious nature, particularly politicians and scientists. And by keeping these subjects in private rooms behind closed doors with all the secrecy surrounding it, it creates a sense of drama that is missing in most of their other pursuits. See, see, Sarah, the drama of secrecy is very addictive. Now, of course, the reason that they would tell you for keeping this out of the public domain is for purposes of national security, economic stability, and social order. And to some extent, I suppose there's truth to that, but it's not the real reason. Does our president know about the ET situation? Yes. What does he know? He knows about the Greys. He knows about ET bases that exist on planets within our solar system. He knows about the Martians. Good God, you're not going to tell me that little green men from Mars actually exist, are you? If I were to tell you what I know about the ET situation, I'm afraid I would lose my credibility in your eyes. Believe me, the reality of the ET situation is much more complex and dimensional than I have time tonight to report. And if I gave you a superficial rendering, I think you'd find it impossible to believe. So I'm going to tell you partial truths, and I'm going to be very careful in my choice of words. The Martians are a humanoid race fashioned from the same gene pool as we. They live in underground bases within Mars, and their numbers are small. Some have already emigrated to Earth, and with some super, superficial adjustments to their physical appearance, they could pass for a human in broad daylight. President Clinton is aware of these matters and has considered alternative ways to communicate with ETs. To date, a form of telepathy has been used as the primary communication interface. However, this is not a trusted form of communication, especially in the minds of our military personnel. Virtually every radio telescope on the globe has been, at one time or another, used to communicate with ETs. This has had mixed results, but there have been successes, and our president is aware of these. Then, is Clinton involved in the secret network you mentioned earlier? Not this one, not knowingly. But he is clearly an important influencer, and is treated with great care by high-level operatives within the network. So you're saying he's manipulated. It depends on your definition of manipulation. He can make any de decision he desires. Ultimately, he has the power to make or influence all decisions relative to national security, economic stability, and social order. But he generally seeks input from his advisors. And high-level operatives from a secret network advise his advisors. The network and its operatives seldom get too close to political power because it's in the media fishbowl, and they disdain the scrutiny of the media and the public in general. Therefore, Clinton is not manipulated, but simply advised. The information he receives is sometimes doctored to lead his decisions in the direction that the network feels is most beneficial to all of its members. To the extent that information is doctored, then I think you could say that the president is manipulated. He has precious little time to perform fact-checking and fully evaluate alternative plans, which is why the advisors are so important and influential. 
Okay, so he's manipulated, at least by my definition. Is this also happening with other governments like Japan and Great Britain, for instance? Yes. This network is not just national or even global. It extends to other races and species. So its influence is quite broad, as are the influences that impinge upon it. It is a two-way street. As I said before, the Labyrinth Group operates the only agenda that is truly independent, and because of its goal, it's permitted to have this independence. Though in all honesty, there's nothing that anyone could do to prevent it, with the possible exception of the Wingmakers. So all the world's governments are being manipulated by the secret ne network of organizations. Who are these organizations? You mentioned some of them, but who are the rest? Is the mob involved? I could name most of them, but to what end? Most you wouldn't recognize or find any reference to. They are like the Labyrinth Group. Had you ever heard of it before? Of course not. Even the current management of the NSA is not aware of the ACIO. At one time, they were, but that was over 35 years ago. And people circulate out of, out of the organization, yet still retain their allegiance to the secret and privileged network of the information. And no, absolutely, there is no mob or organized crime influence in this network. The network uses organized crime as a shield in some instances, but organized crime operates through intimidation, not stealth. Its leaders possess average intelligence and associate with information systems that are obsolete and therefore non-strategic. The organized crime network is a much less sophisticated version of the network I was referring to. Okay, back to the wingmakers for a moment. And I apologize for my scattered questions tonight. It's just that there's so much I want to know that I'm finding it very difficult to stay on the subject of the Ancient Arrow Project. You don't need to apologize. I understand how this must sound to you. I'm still wide awake, so you don't have to worry about the time. Okay, let's talk a little bit about your impressions or insights into the ET situation that you spoke of earlier. To me, this is the part that's most fascinating. First of all, I want to explain that the ETs that interact with our world's government are not the same ones that I interact with the Labyrinth Group. But I thought you said the Greys were involved with the ACIO, at least one of its factions. Yes, they're also known as the Zetas, but as I said, there are many different factions of the Greys, and the one that the ACIO is working with are the Alpha Faction, and they don't operate with our government organizations because they're too suspicious of them, and frankly don't view them as intelligent enough to even warrant their time. What about the Cordium? The Cordium are a very sophisticated culture, integrating technology, culture, and science in a very holistic manner. For different reasons, they are not involved with our governments either, mainly because of their role with the Federation. What's this Federation? Haven't heard about you talk about it before. Each galaxy has a Federation or a loosened organization that includes all sentient life forms on every planet within the galaxy. It would be the equivalent of the United Nations of the galaxy. This Federation has both invited members and observational members. Invited members are those species that have managed to behave in a responsible manner as stewards of their planet and combine both the technology, philosophy, and culture that enabled them to communicate as a global entity that has a unified agenda. Observational members are species who are fragmented and are still wrestling with one another over land, power, money, culture, and a host of other things that prevent them from forming a unified world government. The human race on planet Earth is such a species, and for now, it is simply observed by the Federation, but it is not invited into its policymaking and economic systems. Are you saying that our galaxy is a form of government and an economic system? Yes, but if I tell you about this, you'll lose track of what I really wanted to share with you about the Wingmakers. I'm sorry for taking us off track again, but this is just too amazing to ignore. If there's a federation of cooperative intelligent species, why couldn't they take care of these hostile aliens in the year 2011 or at least help us? 
Federation doesn't intrude on a species of any kind. It is truly a fa facilitating force, not a governing force, with a military presence. That is to say, they will observe and help with suggestions, but they will not intervene on our behalf. Is this like the Prime Directive as it's portrayed on Star Trek? No. It's more like a parent who wants his children to learn how to fend for themselves so they can become greater contributors to the family. But wouldn't a hostile takeover of Earth affect the Federation? Most definitely. But the Federation does not preempt a species' own responsibility for survival and the perpetuation of its genetics. You see, at an atomic level, our physical bodies are made quite literally from stars. At a subatomic level, our minds are non-physical repositories of a galactic mind. At a sub-subatomic level, our souls are non-physical repositories of God or the intelligence that pervades the universe. The Federation believes that the human species can defend itself because it, it is of the stars, galactic mind, and God. If we were unsuccessful and the hostility spread to other parts of our galaxy, then the Federation would take notice and its members would defend their sovereignty. And this has happened many times. And in this process of defense, new t technologies arise, new friendships are forged, and new confidence is embedded in the galactic mind. That's why the Federation performs as they do. Doesn't BST exist somewhere within the Federation? Perhaps in one of the planets closest to our galactic core. So why doesn't this Federation help? You said they couldn't help. You said they could help, didn't you? <laughs> yes, they can help. And the Cordium are IMs, or invited members, and they are helping us. But they themselves do not possess the BST technology. This is a very special technology that's permitted to be acquired by a species that intends to use it only as, as a defensive weapon. And herein is the challenge. Who does the permitting? Are you saying the Federation decides when a species is ready to acquire BST? No. I think it has to do with God. I don't know why, but I have a hard time believing that you believe in God. Well, I do, and furthermore, so does everyone within the Labyrinth group, including 15. We've seen far too many evidence of God or a higher intelligence we can't dispute his existence. It would be impossible to, not, to deny based on what we've observed in our laboratories. So God decides when we're ready to be responsibly using BST. Do you think he'll decide before 2011? I admit there was a tone of sarcasm in that question. You see, Sarah, the Labyrinth group is hopeful that the readiness of the entire species isn't the determining factor that a subgroup within the species might be allowed to acquire the technology as long as it was able to protect it from all non-approved forces. This subgroup is hoped to be the Labyrinth Group, and it's one of the reasons why 15 has invested so much of the ACIO's resource into security systems. You didn't really answer my question, though. Do you think it can be de developed in 12 years? I don't know. Certainly, I hope so. But BST is not our only line of defense. The Labyrinth Group has devised many defensive weapons, not all of which I'll describe to you. The Animus have visited Earth before, approximately 300 million years ago, but they didn't find anything present on our planet to cause them to invest the time and resources to colonize our planet. When their probes return in 13 years, they will think differently. Our analysis is that they will be that they will befriend our governments and utilize the United Nations as an ally. They will set about orchestrating a unified world government through the United Nations. And when the first elections are held in 2018, they will overtake the United Nations and rule as the world government. This will be done through trickery and deception. 
I mentioned our analysis taken from three different RV sessions because they're quite specific as to the dates. And so we have the equivalent of 19 years to produce and deploy BST. Ideally, yes. We like to have it completed in order to interface with the intervention points for this race when it decided to cross over into our galaxy. We would like to cause them to choose a different galaxy or abandon their quest altogether, but it may be impossible to determine this intervention point. You see, the memory implant technology developed by the Labyrinth Group can be utilized in conjunction with BST. We can divine the intervention point when our galaxy was selected as a target to colonize. Colonize. <laughs> enter that time and place and impose a new memory on their leadership to divert them from our galaxy. Either I'm getting tired or this just got a whole lot more confusing. You're saying that the Labyrinth Group already has scenarios to nip this thing in the bud? To prevent this marauding group of aliens from even entering our galaxy? How do you know where they are? To answer your question, I would need to explain with much more granularity the precise nature of BST and how it differs from time travel. I'll try to explain it as simply as I can, but it's complex, and you need to let go of some of your preconceived notions of time and space. You see, time is not exclusively linear, as when it's depicted in a timeline. Time is vertical, and every moment in existence stacked upon the next and all coinciding with one another. In other words, time is a collective of all moments of all experience simultaneously existing within non-time, which is usually referred to as eternity. Vertical time infers that one can select a moment of experience and use time and space as the portal through which they can make their selection real. Once the selection is made, time and space become the continuity factor that changes vertical time into horizontal time or conventional time. You lost me. How is vertical time different from horizontal time? Vertical time has to do with a simultaneous experience of all time. And horizontal time has to do with a continuity time of in linear moment-by-moment -moment experiences. So you're saying that every experience I've ever had or will ever have exists right now? That the past and future are actually the present, but I'm just too brainwashed to see it? As I said before, this is a complex subject, and I'm afraid that if I spend the time explaining it to you now, we'll lose track of more important information like BST. Perhaps if I were to explain the nature of BST, most of your questions would be answered in the process. Okay, then tell me what blank slate technology is. Given the title, I assume it means something like wipe out an event and change the course of history, right? Let me try to explain it this way. Time travel can be observational in nature. In this regard, the ACIO and other organizations, even individual citizens, have the ability to time travel. But this form of time travel is passive. It's not equivalent to BST. In order to precisely alter the future, you have to be able to interact with vertical time paging through it like a book until you find the precise page or intervention point relevant to your mission. This is where it gets so complex, because to interact with the vertical time means you will alter the course of horizontal time, and understanding the alterations and their scope and implication requires extremely complex modeling. This is why the Labyrinth Group aligned itself with Accordium. Its computing technology has processing capabilities that are about 4,000 times more powerful than our best supercomputers. This enables us to create organic, highly complex scenario models. These models tell us the most probable intervention points once we've gathered the relevant data and what the most probable outcomes will be if we invoke a specific scenario. Like most complex, like most complex technologies, BST is a composite technology having five discrete and interrelated technologies. The first technology is a specialized form of remote viewing. 
This is the technology that enables a trained operative to mentally move into vertical time and observe events and even listen to conversations related to an inquiry made. The operative is invisible to all people within the time they are traveling to, so it's perfectly safe and unobtrusive. The intelligence gained from this technology is used to determine the application of the other four technologies. This is the equivalent of intelligence gathering. The second technology that is key to BST is the equivalent of a memory implant. As I mentioned earlier, the ACIO refers to this technology as a memory reconstruction process, or MRP. MRP is the technology that allows a memory to be precisely eliminated in the horizontal time sequence and a new memory inserted in its place. The new memory is welded to the existing memory structure of the recipient. You see events, small and large, occur from a single thought, which becomes a persistent memory, which in turn becomes a causal energy center that leads the development and materialization of the thought into reality, into horizontal time. MRP can remove the initial thought and thereby eliminate the persistent memory that caused events to occur. The third technology consists of defining the intervention point. In every major decision, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of intervention points in horizontal time as a thought unfolds and moves through its developmental phase. However, in vertical time, there is only one intervention point, or what we sometimes call the causal seed. In other words, if you can access vertical time intelligence, you can identify the intervention point that is the causal seed. This technology identifies the most probable intervention points and ranks their priority. It enables focus on the remaining technologies. The fourth technology is related to the third. It's the scenario modeling technology. This technology helps to assess the various intervention points as to their least invasive ripple effects to the recipients. In other words, which intervention point, if applied to a scenario model, produces the desired outcome with the least disruption to unrelated events. The scenario modeling technology is a key element of BST because without it, BST could cause significant disruption to a society or entire species. The fifth and most puzzling technology is the interactive time travel technology. The Labyrinth Group has the four, first four technologies in a ready state waiting for the interactive time travel technology to become operational. This technology requires an operative or a team of operatives to be able to physically move into vertical time and be inserted into precise space and time where the optimal intervention point has been determined. From there, the operatives must perform a successful MRP and return to the original time in order to validate mission success. I've been listening to this explanation and I think I even understand some of it. But it sounds so surreal to me, Dr. Tenruta. I'm... I'm at a loss to explain how I'm feeling right now. This is all so strange. It's so big. Enormous. I can't believe this is going on somewhere on the same planet that I live. Before this interview, I was worried about balancing my checkbook and when my damn car would ever be fixed. This is just too strange. Maybe we should take another break and warm up our coffee. Signing off for a coffee break. That ends part two of interview one with Dr. Neruda and the Neruda interviews. This has been another broadcast of the Urban Shaman Speaks with your Urban Shaman, Alex Rutland. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. Until next time, step outside the illusions, time, space, and even this matrix reality and seek the truth within.